Are you worried that recent events have derailed your retirement plans? It certainly made us reassess all aspects of ours. And that's why we're proud to offer our listeners a chance to work with David McClellan, a fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. David's practice specializes in financial life coaching and retirement planning. And right now, he's offering free consultations for our listeners if you mention the podcast. As part of this consultation, David can help you understand your financial freedom number and what that means to you in assessing your future financial plans. If you want to build wealth, if you want to make optimal decisions within your financial life, David is someone you need to talk to. You can reach him at 312-933-8823. Once again, that's David McClellan at 312-933-8823. He's located in Austin, Texas, but he's got a nationwide clientele. Do yourself a favor and get some great financial advice for free and see if you might want to work with Mr. McClellan. I think you'll be happy with your phone call. We're back. Everyone gets a trophy. Ian Boyd and I are still continuing our ambitious project to do every position group before Texas plays Rice. Ian, how are you feeling tonight, man? Pretty good. Pretty good. So it's a late night here in Michigan. Sun is finally down. Kids are maybe asleep. So it's it's mid-August in Michigan. You what do you have? Two more good months? Well, I kind of like the fall here, and I don't mind when it gets cold. So <clears throat> before like winter, before like Freezing cold winter, we have uh, September, October, really November, some of December, but the first snow usually hits around Thanksgiving. And then it, it melts and warms up and then, it, and then it gets freezing cold again. Yeah. And then you don't see the sun until April? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I don't need the sun though. I, I work from home anyway. That's right. Well, hey, we're going to provide some sunshine on this podcast, Ian, because... Uh, you and, I have, you and I have staked out the realist uh, ground in the Texas analytical community. We're, sometimes we're the cold water on people. And uh, you and I have both been kind of Kool-Aid drinking this summer and, and spring. Uh, I think based on objective analysis, but also, uh, I don't know, we think this team could be pretty good. And one of the reasons we think this team could be pretty good is the wide receiver group. Yeah. And I'm going to ask you, I'm going to start macro, we'll go micro. Is Texas one of the best five wide receiver groups in the country, assuming health? Yeah, I I would say the only team that I would feel like, oh, well, we can't put Texas over that team would be Ohio State. Can you think of another team where you're, you're like, it's no question better than Texas, a wide receiver. I can give you a few candidates. Uh, do we include tight ends in this group? Yeah, sure. Okay. So we yeah, are, in fact, we mentioned. are going to be doing tight ends. So we'll, we'll include that as all, all one group. Uh, I mean, Ohio State. I mean, it's tight more- end almost puts Texas over. Well, it also brings up another contender. So I, like, let's talk about Ohio State. I mean, to me, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best wide receiver in college football. Yeah. And then is it Emeka Egbuka? How do you pronounce it? Something like that. Egbuka. He's he's very good, too. I think he's going to be a first rounder, probably late first rounder. Uh, And then they've got a, uh, you know, their their tertiary and like fourth receiver are former five stars, right? So, and then they've got a, a tight end who you don't hear a ton about, um, but I think he's competent. I, I don't recall anything about him. I just remember seeing him in a game and I think he's back. I don't, do you know anything about their tight end room? A little bit. I, I don't remember though. What's his name? I I'm blanking. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'll look it up. I, I, I'm much more familiar with the receivers. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I, yeah, he's still there. Kate Stover. There you go. Kate Stover. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, he's pretty good. Yeah, he is pretty good. He's just solid. Like he's a good block. He's a he's a sort of a classic tight end, right? Good blocker, very capable receiver, and he gets a lot of open looks because the defense is so <laughs> freaking obsessed with Harrison Jr. and the other weapons, and he just gets wide open shots in the middle of the field all the time. 
and you know converts him. For, you know, he gets his 12 yards, lumbers up the field. And, so, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you on Ohio State, 100%. In 2021, Michigan uh, singled him up with a linebacker, played safeties over the top of everybody else, and uh, Ohio State would like flex him out to see if they could get Michigan out of that look. And Michigan would just convert to something else and still single him up with somebody. And they refused to throw him the ball. Wow. And that's partly why they got just bushwhacked in the snow. And then last year, I don't know what their excuse was, but Michigan was probably even better last year. Yeah. All right. So let's think of another group. We saw them in the Alamo Bowl, Washington. Yeah. Uh, Jalen McMillan, Roma Dunze, Jalen Polk. Yep. Three dudes who combined, I just looked this up, they combined for 2,937 yards and 22 touchdowns. Yeah. All they, also, they also added a transfer from Michigan State, Jeremy Bernard, who was a former four-star. Uh, and they got, a, they got a tight end as well, who's decent. Uh, I think they're legit. The thing that might take a little shine off them for me is – the degree to which we were able to cover them in the Alamo Bowl. I was a bit surprised. I thought, I thought Phoenix Jr. played very well to get the statistics that he got, and they weren't great. Uh, it was volume, right? But he took, um, he took really good care of the ball. He made one mistake on a throw to Jaron Thompson, but he put the ball in the, in the air 50-something times, I think. And I just thought we covered him really well. So either maybe our DB group leveled up <laughs> with a little time, or, or, you know, maybe they're not all that. Um, so maybe we should give Texas a little credit. I still think Washington is, is very good. From a production standpoint, they're hard to argue with. And then I got to say, you got, you, you got to throw in Georgia. You, you don't think of them as being particularly talented in the wide receiver room. But Brock Bowers has to be included. And he's the most dominant tight end in college football. He's one of the best tight ends I've ever seen in college football. He's really a 230-pound slot. He is, but he actually blocks. I know. He's like – he's Jordan Whittington at 230 pounds. <laughs> and a 4-4-40, by the way. All the, all the same movement skills and speed and tenacity, but maybe better hands and 30 pounds of muscle and doesn't get injured. Yeah. Well, and, and here's why Georgia also leveled up. It's not just inclusive of the tight end. They brought in Dominic Levette from Missouri. I don't know if you remember him, but when he was in the portal, Texas had some interest. Mm -hmm. uh, he was Missouri's number one receiver. And then Ra Ra Thomas from Mississippi State transferred out. He was their number one receiver in the Leach offense. And then, as you know, when was it Will Arn? What's, what's the guy's name? The DC that took over at Mississippi State? Um why am i doing this i know well you want to say will arnett and i want to say will arnett but that is not <laughs> that's job yeah that's job i love job zach arnett there it is zach arnett so he came in scrapped the entire spread basically and mm -hmm. he's gonna run like i don't know 198 circa 1987 i formation but wide zone uh, yeah. yeah and then they got lad mcconkey who's who's a good receiver uh so I think Georgia actually is in the top five. I, in fact, I think comfortably in the top five, if you take the whole group as a, as a, as a unit. I'll take top five, but I don't think they're number one because no. I don't think they have the, the one outside killer. Like the, the Missouri and the, and the Mississippi State guys, I think are good, but I don't think either of them are. They're certainly not Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. I don't know if they're A.D. Mitchell or Xavier Worthy either. Okay, I'll give you another one who could enter this if they can get a little bit better quarterback play. LSU, as usual, has really talented wideouts. Malik Neighbors, Kyron Lacey. They just don't have the production or the numbers Yeah. because Brian Kelly kind of had his quarterback play with, with training wheels on a little bit at times last year. Uh, so, it, so conversely, like Tennessee has a good receiving core. Yeah. obviously they lost two really good guys they're going to still put up massive numbers so i'm trying to sort of adjust i'm not just making this as a statistical thing i'm also just talking about pure talent you're missing um, 
Who's that? Missing, missing one that could conceivably be number one. USC? Yeah. Oh. Uh, but I don't know. You Mario, see, Will, Mario Williams? Is that like their guy? It's Jerry Rice's kid. Oh. Brendan in the, Rice. In the bowl game, he went off. He dominated in the bowl game. He had like a 10 catches for 280 yards or something wild. Okay. He was uh he was high pointing the ball. He looked very good. They also got a Il Duce Robinson that uh baseball playing tight end. And uh from what Lincoln Riley is saying, they're obviously just gonna flex him out all the time. Yep. First big hit that he takes, he might make a business decision and realize that he's Why didn't he get drafted? Really? I thought he was a, a great baseball player. I thought that's the I thought that's the impression I had too, but then he didn't get drafted. Huh. Well maybe he was dumb enough to communicate that he wanted to play a year of college football. So they were just like, ah, we'll see you. We'll see you on the flip side. Maybe. But maybe uh, maybe he'll zero in on football now. All right. So we're comfortable saying Ohio State's ahead of Texas. Washington, you can make a strong argument for Georgia if you include the tight end room and you really consider the the talent in their transfers. They have a, a reasonable argument for parity, maybe. You're and then just have lots of guys that are good. Yeah, they have a lot of guys that are good, kind of like Texas. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're this is a top five wide receiver unit. Texas, for sure, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You so, could maybe throw Michigan in there too, but we should just start talking about Texas now. I, I would not throw Michigan in there. Okay, well. I, I think they're good. I, I don't think – dude, I think Jim Harbaugh would trade his wide receiver room for ours, like right now. Yeah, probably. But Unless, just, unless they're really good blockers or something. <laughs> I don't know. You hang on to that notion and, and remember this conversation in like four months. Okay, I will. I will remember this conversation. You can, because you, know, you want Texas to fail and Michigan to succeed. So thanks for showing your true colors. <laughs> you know who's always true to his word and true to his excellent standard of professionalism, Ian? Uh, no, I don't want to say the wrong person. Gabe Winslow. I would have had it. I would have had it. You would have had it, but I appreciate that you're uh, being very tactical there, not saying the wrong word. I, I might say that about David McClellan as well. It, very good. Actually, you know what? With what's going on in our markets and the uncertainty and China, uh, China's little house of cards about to fall over in a stiff breeze. David McClellan is a good guy to talk to right now. And you're going to have his contact information at the beginning of this podcast. Please, please use it. He's, he's given out a half hour consultation. This dude is incredibly shark, uh, sharp. He's not a shark at all. He's very sharp. Uh, smart as a dolphin and a former swimmer. See the tie-in? Gabe Winslow. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. He's a great mortgage guy. Dare I say elite. If, if, if we were rating mortgage guys right now, Ian, he would be in the top five. Nay, he would be number one. He's the Marvin Harrison Jr. of the mortgage industry, uh, except his father didn't shoot anyone and get away with it. Marvin Harrison apparently shot a guy and got away with it. Uh, so that's a little aside. You guys, you guys can go down that Google hole if you feel like it. Nonetheless, uh, what you need to do is shoot Gabe Winslow a text message and get a quote. And talk to him about your financial plans, specifically around getting your house or refining. 832-557-1095. Gabe, we thank you for your support. And if you need a realtor in the Sentex area, call Laura Baker, 512-784-0505. She is a award-winning member of the Andy Allen team. She is in the top 10% of realtor sales in Austin, Texas, which is no joke. And if you're going to go get a real estate agent, Go get the ones who do deals all the time. <laughs> They're the ones that are going to actually know what's going on and, and they have their pulse on the market. Give her a call, 512-784-0505. All right, we've taken care of commerce. Let's talk about the horns. Let's talk about this wide receiver core. Ian, you'll note, as I look at my handy resource, the Thinking Texas Football Preview, you'll note that this is the best one ever, Ian. I don't know. I was mailing it in like five or six years ago as you pointed out, but now I've yeah. really 
I've shown a little pride in myself and been rallied up, right? You'll notice one thing when you look at a list of our wide receivers, Ian. It's there are eight of them. When there used to be 14 of them just three years ago. In fact, I have, I have it on good authority when Steve Sarkeesian got the Texas job. One of the first comments he made when he was looking at the roster and you got to say this in like the Sarkeesian voice. Imagine his voice, right? He's like, why do we have more wide receivers and offensive linemen? <laughs> What's going on here? And uh, that question has been asked many times. We no longer have more wide receivers than offensive linemen. We've got eight of them. Three of them are true freshmen, Ian. You know what the uh, best part of that was? What? That n- none of them were that good. I know. Well, if, if probably why they were so many. It, it's, if you just got to keep adding volume and hope you, you know, magically get one of your six foot four dudes who can't run very well to, uh, to finally be the man. But uh, those, those days are past. Let's dwell on the present. And the present is Texas has a really good wide receiver core. The headliner, I, you know, it's interesting. I, I'm kind of curious on your thoughts. Everyone's sort of talking about A.D. Mitchell. Obviously, people love Jordan Whittington for what he sort of represents and also his production on the field. Isaiah Nayor is this amazing sort of X factor, particularly if he's fully back. And so far, knock on wood, he has been. People are kind of discounting Xavier Worthy, weirdly, because of his sophomore slump, because of the broken hand, because of the inability to connect with viewers on some deep throws. Uh, he scored 21 touchdowns in two years playing college football. He was a superstar as a true freshman. He almost had 1,000 yards receiving as a true freshman. He set Oklahoma on fire as a true freshman, basically all by himself. Uh, is it so crazy to think that the guy from Fresno heals up his hand, gets a little better quarterback play, and the receivers around him get him single coverage, and he goes off for 1,200 yards? Is that crazy? No. And another, another thing in his favor is likely increased use of RPOs. I don't now he may be a little bit tricky to hit on RPOs. I think sometimes viewers made it look harder than it is. But uh he is um like on a slant. The time you have to have the timing right because he just he moves so quickly, right? Yeah. I, I think it actually is maybe a little bit harder to hit that than to hit like a big bodied guy that just you know is gonna box out the defender. But yeah, RPOs are gonna make a big difference. Like you can get the the full Devonte Smith package now for Worthy, um, getting the ball in space in a few different easy ways, and with a chance to go run. So, yeah, he might have just a monster season statistically. And the other thing too is people try to carve up wide receiver production or statistics with the idea of the static pie. When the truth is, the more dudes you have out there that are terrifying to the defense, the more you can grow the size of the pie. So he's not going to need nine catches to get 120 yards. He might only need five. Uh, and, I, and also, I mean, beyond just on the run, is there a guy that's scarier in space sort of faced up on you if you're playing off coverage and you just throw out a little screen to him on the move? No. That's another thing. He's, he, you want to press him up. That's really your best bet. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> you know. The, the problem with that, Ian, I think it's scary because if he gets a clean release on you inside of you on a slant, it might go 80 yards. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a few things that can go really terribly wrong on that. You end up, you want to play safety over the top, basically. And then that limits your options elsewhere on the field for some of the other people that we're going to talk about. Yep. And they're probably going to put Worthy to the far end of the field more often than not where defenses would rather not allocate a lot of attention because they would rather let space do that work for them. Um, but you can't if A, Worthy is running free, and B, the quarterback can actually hit those throws. 
one thing we know about Ewers, whatever the struggles on the deep ball, the deep out or the deep in cut, not a concern. Yeah. So that's exciting if you're Xavier Worthy. Yeah. In particular. Hey, let's talk about some of the the, the sophomore slump. First of all, he's up to 172 pounds, Ian. This guy's becoming a monster. Do you think well, he's too is. fat? You think he's too fat? You think he should lose weight and get that back down to 160? No, he does look decent. I saw him, I stood right next to him at a media days. Did he look like a fat ass? No. <laughs> did you did you pinch his waist and be like, hey, hitting hitting the donuts? I mean, he looked at me, I might as well have. That I, <laughs> I asked him why him and yours couldn't connect last year. Oh no, what did he say? Well, he just kind of stared at me for a minute. <laughs> And uh, he's not huge, but he is six one, so he's definitely looking down on me. He's also from Fresno, which means he's been in a few street fights. Just FYI. Yeah, it, 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 he may not be very intimidating on the field, but he's definitely bigger than I am. Well, he's but, a scrappy. He's a scrappy dude on the field too, yeah, right? He is. He is scrappy. So he, let's talk about the the negatives. He did have a soft. He did have a sophomore slump. Um, he had about a 11 percent drop percentage. I think having a broken hand can affect your ability to catch. Probably doesn't affect your ability to track balls. Uh, that's a different thing. But he was, look, he had a, a slump. That said, he still caught 60 balls for 760 yards, nine touchdowns. I, I just think, I suspect he's going to be our number one receiver. However you want to define that. And I think maybe just in terms of production, like stats, catches, yards. I don't know. Maybe it's A.D. Mitchell. It just depends. If he proves reliable on RPOs and different gadget plays and shot plays of Sark, then he'll end up getting force-fed a lot of targets. Yes. So I, it, I think you may be right. Okay. A.D. Mitchell, the transfer from Georgia. <sighs> you know, the interesting thing about him is if – this guy was going to another school and I wasn't that studied up on him. I'd sort of roll my eyes at the hype around him and say, okay, he, you know, he was the promising freshman at Georgia. He didn't basically didn't play as a sophomore. He played against Oregon and then he played in, you know, two playoff games or a playoff game and a half, basically. Enough to catch a touchdown catch in each. <laughs> yeah, enough to catch a touchdown in every playoff game. That's pretty impressive. Um, but when you actually do the study on him and then you see him in the spring game against pretty good DBs, you realize that this is a different dude and that it's about leading indicators, not lagging indicators. You know, this is a guy who grew two inches once he arrived at, at, in Athens. Mm. Uh, he, just, he was just a just like Isaiah Nayor, a guy we're going to cover in a second, he was just a late bloomer. And so people are like, well, he was a three-star, blah, 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 who cares? It's like, well, he's a three-star that Georgia coaches, once they saw him as a senior in high school, went to the mats to try to get him in, into Georgia when they've got their choice, effectively, of four- and five-star receivers. So that tells you something, and then he goes out and produces. So... My man is, is skinny. He's a greyhound, just like uh, Xavier Worthy. He did put on a little bit of weight in the offseason. The roster says 6'4", 195. I don't know his true height and weight. Uh, do you think he's going to be able – is he a guy that we need to put on a pitch count a little bit early in the year? Or do you just trust that he's gotten through some of these soft tissue things and he's going to be okay? I kind of think, especially if uh, Cook looks good, and Nayor is healthy and he looks back to normal, you just you just let A.G. Mitchell go. And if he gets hurt, he gets hurt. Yeah. Real quick, though, there's so many of these Dallas receivers that end up being so good without a lot of fanfare out of high school. And some, some of it is that um, some of those South Dallas schools, they don't have like – a lot of money to have like a, a quarterback with private skills training. The receivers may or may not have a margin hooks or one of the top private skills training guys. And the offensive linemen definitely are not learning the kick step 
in their in their off time, you know, with a private trainer. And so they just don't get used in the same way as the guys in like the burbs do. Mm-hmm. So you just don't know. Like if you watch John Tay Cook at DeSoto, it's he looks great, but it's not as obvious what all he can do. People, he was highly regarded because he went to camps, and so people saw it there. But if you're like another one of those kids in South Dallas and you don't make it out to a lot of camps or you don't have a, and he also had like margin hooks coaching him up. You don't have margin hooks and you're not at camps a lot. It's just a lot of guys fly under the radar from there. I think. It's a good point. And I, you could even apply that more broadly to Texas in general. The truth is just the proliferation of wide receivers in the state of Texas is ridiculous. And, you know, I, I do agree that they're special guys at the very top every year, but the number 15 dude in the state of Texas could be an NFL receiver. You know, there's just not any other state you can say that about. Um, well, like the, the 80 to 150, there's going to be like two or three NFL guys there too. They are not obvious too. A hundred percent. I meant number 15, like the number 15th ranked receiver, not the number 15th ranked guy in the top hundred, right. Of the state. No, but still. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. 100%. And to that point, that brings up Isaiah Nair. So he was A.D. Mitchell before A.D. Mitchell in that he is this guy, flew under the radar, late to football. This is like the classic story, right? And we'll, hopefully we'll have one of these guys in the, in the 2024 Texas recruiting class uh, when, they, when high school football starts here in about a week. Uh, so Nayor is a big guy. He's a legit 6'3", 215. So he goes to Wyoming, Wyoming. He goes to Laramie. And his second year, he, he has a growth spurt. He adds good weight, the typical story. In his second year, and I've extensively watched his film, not just his highlights, but I actually watched actual Wyoming games, which on offense is painful. On defense, it's actually a pleasure to watch them play, but offensively brutal. Uh, his quarterback was not Josh Allen, Ian. And he had two quarterbacks, both equally bad. He caught 44 balls for 878 yards and 12 touchdowns. He was responsible for 42% of Wyoming's passing offense, single-handedly. So the point is, he's a talented guy. He was turning heads. He was the talk of everyone, just like A.D. Mitchell. And then he blows out his ACL in the fall. They've been trying to bring him along slowly. He's apparently been attacking rehab hard. And he's been practicing and he's been running and he's cutting and he's, he's playing without a knee brace. I I've heard that uh, when Chris Jackson watched the film of the guys he was inheriting from like uh, the practice cutups from the previous season, he was like, we need to get Nayor healthy. Oh, interesting. He, he was like, this guy, Oh my goodness. This guy needs to be, we need to do what we can to get this guy going. He was probably like, I wish I had this group when I was in Jacksonville. Uh, <laughs> don't they have a decent? Don't they have a decent group there? I mean, they're all NFL players, so the, everyone's decent, right? They're, you know, I, I, like everyone's good, right? Right. They've got um uh, the A and M guy, Chris uh, Christian Kirk. I mean, he's he's okay. He's a, he's like an NFL. He's not like a Pro Bowler type guy. He's probably a step below, but. Yeah, he's good. I mean, it's the NFL. Everyone's good. I was. I only watched him at San Diego last year. They they seemed okay. Yeah. They they pulled out a nice win. So let me ask you this before we talk about Jordan Whittington and and talk about who else rounds out the receiving core. Why are they? I have my theory on this. Why are they training Nayor behind Worthy? Isn't the logical guy that he should be? trading off with is A.D. Mitchell outside. Why are they doing it with Worthy, our, our move wide receiver? I didn't know they were. They are. Huh. Well, interesting. I, I don't know. What you tell me? I, I so I, I, I have a theory. I just was curious. So um, I got nothing. I got nothing. I think they want to play Naor, and okay. I think they're finding ways to rest Worthy. Okay. And then also they know that Nayor can play outside receiver. So they want to give him the cross training primarily at, at worthy spot 
which of course the, our coaches for the second straight coaching staff, we have nomenclature that's non-standard. So I used to think of Worthy as the Z, right? And he's actually the X. X. And classically the X is the tall receiver standing out on the sideline, right? Tom Herman drove me crazy because he called the H was their slot. And they'd sometimes call him the H back. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. So they'd be, they'd be referring to their H back and I'm like, Oh, okay. Like we're, we're talking about, uh, like a tight end. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, no, no, it's, we got to well, get that's those- a Y back. That's a Y back ball. Yeah, exactly. Oh my God. I hate just, can we all just agree on the nomenclature people? Why do we have to change this up? Uh, I think they're cross-training him there to get him familiar with it. And then also, I think that it has carryover for when they go four wide. Right. So that'd be the, that'd be the obvious one. Right. And then I think. Just worthy is so good in the slot. Yeah. So when you want to rest Whittington, don't no disrespect to the freshmen. I think they're going to be very good. Do you want to put in John Cook? Or DeAndre Moore, or do you want to put in Xavier Worthy? And now Nayer is on the field with AD Mitchell. Sark even Did- said in a presser in the last week or so that um, Worthy might be at his best in the slot. I think he is. I think that's his NFL future. Yeah. The other thing about Nayor is, at least I've heard a couple times, he's running the wrong routes couple times and I think it got yours in trouble one time mm. I think that's because he's training at multiple spots yeah and so I, I think he'll get it together he's he's a smart high football IQ guy but I think that's part of the adjustment and I think it's their way to get best three on the field at all times or best four we can hope all right let's talk about Jordan Whittington who's definitely one of the best three or best four um, he had his breakout last year. He had multiple seasons ended prematurely by complications from hernia, other injuries. He caught 50 balls, 652 yards last year. One touchdown. Interesting. Uh, Worthy was really the guy they looked to in the, in the end zone, which I don't fault. If, you, if you're out in single coverage on him, it's, he's going to run a jerk route on you and, and, teach you what the route means. Uh, He averaged 13 yards a catch, which is exactly what you'd expect from Whittington's type of slot. Uh, What do you see for Jordan? Are there enough footballs around to, to keep all these guys over 50 receptions? Or do you think Whittington will catch more because he has more opportunity? I mean, he's going to be single covered eternally, right? Uh, Or do you think he has a little check down as they incorporate more to Nay or Mitchell worthy i have a suspicion that he's actually going to get more volume because they're in the spread there's going to be all these plays where they run a running play with an rpo and he's one of the release guys Mm. um i think he's a lot better in the slot than he is outside and he had to play outside a lot last year and so he wasn't open as much um he's a senior he's a team leader i don't i don't think they want to like neglect maybe better players because he's a senior leader and they like him. But I just think he may have the trust of the coaching staff to get a lot of attention. Um, so I, I think he may break out even more. If there's enough, if there's enough balls to go around, I think he could go up to, what did he have last year? 60 catches. You said 50, five, zero. I think he'll do at least 60 and potentially 70 or 80, depending on how a few things break. I will definitely take the under on 60. You'll take the under? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I, this is a point of disagreement, maybe. Yeah, I think it is. I I just think, particularly when you have Nayor and Mitchell out there, or both out there at the same time sometimes, I just think there's going to be a bunch of easy 10, 12 yard gains throwing it to those guys against off coverage. You know, the guy runs out, takes two steps and you put the ball on him, and then he runs up the field 
drags the guy then it's first down 11 yards easy um i just think there's going to be a lot of that and that was the kind of stuff jordan whittington did for us last year but conversely to your point if everyone's terrified of worthy and mitchell and sanders well who's going to be the guy that is going to get covered by potentially a linebacker <laughs> i mean it's whittington right right he'll so yeah and maybe it'll depend on the game you know maybe one game one guy's killing it and another game you know he might have like a game where he's like 12 catches and then another game where he has two it's funny i that's what i was saying uh, uh i think saying to randy in one of our pods uh exactly that i think it's going to be situational game by game and they're going to trade off try to keep them all happy all right those are sort of the core four we've got whittington nayor worthy mitchell what about casey kane jonte cook deandre moore and ryan niblett who do you want to tackle first? Let's do Casey Kane. Okay. Casey Kane would have started for a lot of Tom Herman teams, especially once Colin Johnson got hurt. I think he's a pretty good player, reliable. Um, it just doesn't have like the elite star power. And unlike maybe some of his predecessors. Steve Sarkeesian is not content to play a stalwart veteran who's reliable if he can go get a star. So I wonder if he may have his day before he graduates. He's not going to probably do a whole lot this year, but um, I don't know. He, he may end up being good just you know, when he's like a fifth-year guy and he's just been stacking skills and techniques, we'll see. I agree. I think, well, he's a sophomore. He's got plenty of football ahead of him. And I think that's, yeah, I mean, I don't have anything to add. And I think that's it. What about uh, Jonte? Jonte seems like he might be very, very good. Yeah. Um, Bobby... Bobby Burton, our, our uh, colleague in Inside Texas, had him as being exceptionally smooth, maybe the smoothest route runner on the team. Not just crisp, Paul. Oh, smooth, no. But smooth. Um, he seems like he's going to be a demon in the RPO game eventually, whenever, you know, whenever he's one of the guys that will get featured as a target. Because I think he's just going to get to his spots very consistently. And it's just, you know, a lot of anything that's like quick and timing based, he's going to be very lethal on. And then conversely, double moves off that. He runs 500 thread count sheets, sheet routes. Yeah. Crisp and smooth. We're talking Ritz Carlton routes. Um, yeah. I can't pretend that I've seen a ton of him other than DeSoto tape and then some highlights and some, you know, spring game. Obviously I thought he was very impressive, but you know, I think people will, will have to appreciate that he needs to bide his time for next year. I, he'll be involved. He's going to play. He's going to get snaps, meaningful snaps in real games. There's no doubt about that in my mind, but he's going to be Xavier Worthy's replacement next year. So I'm seeing predictions on some of the threads when people are talking about Jonte that he's going to catch 35 balls or something like that. I mean, if there's an injury, yeah. Uh, but I Even think he, then, maybe not. I, I think we should target 12. Right. 15, right? Um, I think, you know, we're, we're looking at Tim catching three balls against Rice in the late third to end of the fourth quarter, you know, three for 33. Um, yeah, he'll flash in a very exciting way at the end of rice. Yes. And never be heard from. <laughs> well, no, no. What, what will happen is he'll do that. We'll get a series of outraged threads uh, demanding why Jonte doesn't see the field more when 
he scored a touchdown on a screen pass when Texas was already up 42 to seven. And uh, they'll ignore the fact that Worthy, Mitchell, and Whittington and Nayor dominated up to that point. So uh, DeAndre Moore. So he was a guy who dropped two balls in the spring game, which interestingly, I think was not characteristic of him at all. Sort of coming in, the rap on him was this is super reliable guy, high IQ, great hands, smooth. And they sort of sold him as this sophisticated receiver. Apparently he can run. I think I think that his athleticism got undersold a little bit. So I think he is Whittington's replacement next year in the slot. And I think he's going to be that guy, kind of an easy mover in the slot and deceptively fast. And <laughs> not, not a description you often get for a, a four-star, but... Uh, I've just heard good things about him. Yeah, that's right. I've heard good things about him. And I think like Jonte, by the way, put on good weight. So he's in, he's in the mid one nineties right now. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Any thoughts on Niblet? Oh, (laughs) Ian's very cute little son is crashed out right next to him right now. Uh, it buys, I think it's us talking and made him go to sleep. (laughs) I don't know. Niblet, um, didn't he run a, I'm going to, he ran something in the like 10.5 or 10.4 range. 10.4. He did. Okay. That's pretty fast. That's fast. I think, um, I mean, he's almost like the Brennan Thompson didn't pan out. Roll in another track star, see if we can teach him to play receiver and hopefully he won't transfer to the rival. So I think he's on a, a long, a, Maybe in a you know, what you used to say about offensive linemen all the time is like redshirt him, get him in strength program, see what happens in two or three years. Kind yeah, of ignore, forget his name, ignore him for three years, and then when he's a redshirt junior, get fired up. Yeah, I I receiver think that equivalent. um, I don't know if he's the receiver equivalent, and here's why. Oh, Steve Steve Sarkeesian in the press conference made an interesting comment about him that differentiated him from our friend that transferred to Oklahoma. He described Ryan Niblett as very tough. So whenever I hear a really fast guy described as tough, Marquise Goodwin comes to mind. Yeah. That's a good thing because it suggests their willingness that first of all, they like contact. And then secondly, it suggests they like the drudgery of football, right? They'll, they don't mind getting in the extra workout. They don't mind staying after and catching extra balls. They don't mind the physical aspects of the game. It's not all just about catching touchdowns for them and scoring. So when I hear a real fast guy get described as tough, I really like that. Uh, Jamal Charles, when he was coming in, we knew how fast he was. And then his first practice, I remember someone was like, oh, he's actually really tough. He's a really rugged guy, like tough-minded guy. And I was like, okay. So anytime I hear tough associated to fast or really fast, that projects well. So the the problem Niblet has, you were speaking about unsophisticated high school quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, that was his high school quarterback. You know, they were trying to get him the ball with handoffs, jet sweeps, right. little f- flips into the flat. And I think that affected his ability as a route runner. He didn't have a margin hooks, right? And I think he's still growing as a pass catcher, you know, the more refined aspects of the position. As a pure athlete, he's a better pure athlete than DeAndre Moore and Dante Cook. Mm. Dante Cook, I mean, he's faster than Dante Cook. He's faster, he's more explosive, and he's more powerful. Okay. I don't know if he's quicker. So that's a good point. Yeah. He's, I I was going to say John Tate Cook is very coordinated, but I think. um, John Tate is very coordinated. Yes. Hands are still, he needs, he needs some work with the, with the machine, I think still to, to nail down consistency with his hands from what I hear. Yeah. John Tate's had some drops. Yeah. 
we haven't heard a lot about that, or I don't think it's written written about much. Maybe I missed it on Inside Texas. Right. But Somebody, maybe it was you that told me. Yeah. So see, there, there you go. I plant the rumor and then I confirm the rumor later through you. Do you see my genius? This is great. And then you go to the court and you get your uh, FISA. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not doing that, Ian. But yes. <laughs> yes, by the way. That's how it works. Um, uh, moving on. Hey, we did lose some guys. You mentioned Brennan Thompson. We lost Troy O'Meara, who was Isaiah Nayor at A.D. Mitchell before Isaiah Nayor and A.D. Mitchell. It's a shame what happened to that guy. Uh, Damn shame. Uh, and then Jaden Alexis never worked out. I never trusted a guy with a stripper name at wide receiver. You know what I mean? It's like one of your rules for life. Like the, That's just a rule for life. The coach and Teen Wolf. <laughs> also, never trust a white guy with a soul patch. Uh, I've already seen that. Except for Ted Nugent. Not bear out. That's the only exception I'll make. Wild man from your neck of the woods. Uh, what do we think about Chris Jackson? Do we know enough? Or are people just conjecturing and saying NFL and he talks well in front of a microphone. This guy must be awesome. Do we know anything about him? Do you know anything about him? What do you know, Ian? I don't know much. Okay. I'm always hesitant with uh, recruiting because Texas, you know? Yeah. Like that Sark in Texas behind you in recruiting at an important position, you may or may not be a great recruiter. It seems like some people think that he's going to be a good recruiter, but I, that I feel like that's very hard to evaluate at this point. Um, and then we haven't seen his charges on the field and I don't know how to evaluate. I don't really know how to, I'm not great at evaluating any receiver for technique right because i don't know the points of of that and i don't know what to make of his nfl resume so i i don't see any reason to be negative but i i'm not it's not like he's done anything to you know well if we could be real here for a second there's a parallel here for running back coach i i love to shard choice i do think he's a good coach he's obviously a great recruiter he's got very specific opinions about what he wants but i love when texas fans are like to shard choice put two guys in the nfl it's like Bijan Robinson's parents put him in the NFL when they combined their genetics. And Roshan Johnson was a dude who was going to play in the NFL because he decided he wanted to play in the NFL. And he's obviously a very good athlete, but he's sort of an undeniable human being in general. Yep. Uh, so n- no disrespect to Tashard Choice, but <laughs> you know the idea that the running backs coach makes the running back. Eh, like let's let's teach him some pass protection. Let's teach him some finer points of of catching the ball. Let's make sure he's holding the ball with multiple points of contact, doesn't fumble. Let's teach him how to read a, a zone play a little bit more sophisticated than just running to the hole. But uh, you know, a lot of running backs they're in the NFL because of God, and and not necessarily their position coach. Fair. Yeah, I he um. Maybe a, a better feather in his cap is recruiting Jameer Gibbs to Georgia Tech. No doubt. And even that, I don't know the details of that. That could have been like, uh, you know, one of these like Dallas kids we're talking about where you take him because you have to because you're Georgia Tech. And it's like, oh, guess what? We just found, you know, an enormous diamond. Yeah, I, I think Jameer Gibbs was a known recruit. You're looking it up. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. I should know it off the top of my head. Oh, he was a he was almost a five star. Really? And he went to Georgia yeah. Tech? Yeah. So that was that's a proof of recruiting right there. That's impressive. Does he do you really want to do engineering or something? No, I don't think Jameer's doing engineering, but uh no, I think that's just pure recruiting. Yeah, he was the number four number 44 player in the country, number five player in the state of Georgia, fourth ranked running back in the nation. So yeah, Jameer is good and Mr. Choice did some recruiting. So all right, let's let's talk about another guy that we did some recruiting on. We talked 
bad about old Tom Herman, but you know who Tom Herman brought to this campus, Ian? Uh, no. It rhymes with Fatavian Blanders. <laughs> I really wonder how that would have gone. Oh, yeah, you think you think Jatavian would have been uh, what a converted wide receiver? They would have kept his weight down, and or would they have made him play uh, edge or something? Yeah, he would have played X like Malcolm Epps, right? Oh God! They're like, oh, you don't not taking the blocking immediately. Let's just flex. You're the new X receiver. All right, I was trying to be nice to Tom. He brought Jatavian Sanders on this campus, so let's let's offer a little thanks to that. Uh, Jatavian broke out his first year as a starter, his first year really logging playing time in a meaningful way. 54 catches, 613 yards, five touchdowns. Uh, he was the man. He was the first team all Big 12 tight end. I don't pretend to know the tight end landscape exhaustively. I'm sure Iowa, Notre Dame, and uh, Miami have some great tight ends or something, right? They always do. Other than Brock Bowers of Georgia, I don't know of a better one. If anyone does, yell it out right now into the air as you listen. Uh, maybe Ian and I will detect it. But uh, he's impressive. The most inter interesting and impressive thing about him is that his athleticism, I think when he tests for the NFL, I don't think he's going to blow anyone away. I think his athleticism is more subtle. He A little more like, um, I'm going to make somebody mad. If even if I do remember the name, oh, the guy at Texas A&M from a couple of years ago who had a couple. Oh, of Martellus Bennett. No, 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 not oh, that okay. long ago, like recent. Oh, the slow guy who <laughs> caught everything. Yes. Yeah, I I think he's a better athlete than that guy, he's, but I know what you're saying. He's quicker than that guy, but that guy was like college version of Jason Witten. Yep. He may not be moving that fast, but somehow he was always open. And then he would catch the ball. You got his name? Is it Jay Sternberger? No, that guy. Jalen Weidermeyer? Yeah, Weidermeyer. Weidermeyer. Weidermeyer, I think. Sounds like the guy in Animal House. Weidermeyer, dead. Um, yeah, I, 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 I get your point. He's, he's not 4-5-40 guy. He's not uh some crazy physical freak you know the shuttle know may end up being good though the shuttle. sorry the shuttle may end up being good though it may i mean yeah. you don't you don't ever know how it translates there's just some guys that move well on a football field and it doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily show up in his 40 or a shuttle or anything um but yeah i think the thing i like about jatavian obviously he's he's gifted as a pass catcher what i really like about him is he's a very willing blocker he's not a dominant blocker he's not 260 pounds you know squats 650 crushing defensive ends but he's he'll mix it up with whoever uh he'll do it with his hand down he'll do it split out in fact actually when he's split out he's a very effective blocker because he's athletic enough and has enough body control that he can track down defensive backs and get his body on them usually tight ends out spread out get olayed they get matadored in space he doesn't uh yeah, I just like Jatavian Sanders a lot. Uh, where do you see him? Kind of like a Jordan Whittington deal. Is he going to catch 54 balls? I, he feels like the one to me that whose numbers are going to drop a little bit. Maybe touchdowns go up or stay the same. But yeah, touchdowns could go up. I mean, Jeff Banks had a comment even where he was like, you may see his yards for catch go up, his touchdowns go up but his volume may go down because they may not need to uh, feed him the ball like behind the line of scrimmage on screens or whatever as much. Yeah. We, he averaged 11.4 yards per reception. And a lot of that was a function of these manufactured sorts of throws just to move the sticks. You know, we were using him as a, a seven yard gain guy in some of those things. Um, is there anything to add, but Jatavian, I mean, just, he um he has some real potential up the seams that they barely tapped into last year. Yeah, you saw it against OU on that touchdown. Yeah, yeah. And some against were, late in the game. 
Yeah, and Ewers made a nice throw there. Uh, I agree. He never got loose on that classic 60-yard up-the-seam tight end touchdown. And Ewers throws that ball really well at times. Yeah, he does. I, I think that's a dimension to the offense. I think I wrote about it like very early in the offseason and haven't really revisited it. And we haven't really talked about it very much as a overall Texas commentary or, or fan base. But Jatavian Sanders in the seams could be a very big deal this year. Well, Especially been- like Quinn Ewers, his favorite play at South Lake Carroll for verticals which is just ripe for using your tight end in a few different ways to threaten those seams. Yeah. There's, there's to me an obvious play and we, we don't want to dork out on this kind of stuff too much probably, but I got to think there's value in not just the four verticals, but the three verticals and the delayed vertical you know, when the tight end stays in to block or gives the appearance and then has a delayed release. Yeah. And just the, and everyone's so scared of Naor Worthy and, you know, A.D. Mitchell. You could do this from four wide with no running backs, right? A zero set. And you've got Jatavian lined up with his hand down on the line, like he's going to help block. And all four guys run verticals or run vertical out combos to draw up safeties if they're in a certain coverage. And you're just going to have the wide, the middle of the field wide open. It's going to be silly. You're going to be asking like linebackers to get drops to cover Sanders and that's not going to work. So yeah, I don't, I don't want to dork out on too much, but I just got to think that all these guys are going to help each other eat. Yep. And if you're picking your poison as a defensive coordinator, I there's going to be some games where you just say, I think John Heacock's going to say, I, I want Sanders and Whittington to catch 22 balls between them. I concede that. Uh, you're not going to beat me with Worthy, Mitchell, Naor. Yep. And, and if we can run that effectively and efficiently, that's a great way to win a game. I'm happy yep. to do it. A lot of teams should probably try that approach and not enough will, is my guess. I think you're right. Yeah. Take advantage of Quinn Ewers. You know, can you make these throws patiently? Take advantage of Sark's impatience, potentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's hard to do, though. It's hard to see your defense get sort of chewed up on easy throws, easy yards, right? Yeah. But John Heacock has mastered <laughs> watching that calmly and then holding up in the red zone. Then you wonder, like, what? We didn't score? All right. Here's a guy. Are we going to see? We're not going to see as much 12, right? Are we agreed on this? Not as much. I still think we see a fair amount. All right. Well, the, the 12, the second tight end is going to be Gunner Helm. Gunner Helm, the hammer hand. The hammer hand. Why is he the hammer hand? Is Helm. Oh, got it. Okay. Good heavens. <laughs> Freaking nerd. It makes me a nerd that I understand what you're talking about. I'm not going to even let you explain it. Uh, you have no, you have no moral authority here. You knew exactly. <laughs> he is right. All right. Gunner Helm. Interesting thing about Gunner is he was every bit the flex tight end that Jatavian Sanders was in high school. Uh, he played up the road here in Cherry Creek in Denver, which is sort of a poor man's Westlake. And he <laughs> is in every school. <laughs> well, almost every school is poor compared to Westlake, but actually Cherry Creek is pretty wealthy. They can they can hang with Westlake, uh, but they're kind of a program school. And Helm was a split tight end, and he was like a lanky six foot five, two hundred twenty five pound guy who went out and won jump balls. He's up to 250. He's he's shown a willingness to do the dirty work. Is this just a solid player? And there's really we don't need to oversell or undersell what what he does. I you know I think he could be trouble this year. For us or the opponent? <laughs> uh, well, maybe both. Okay. Yeah, Sark is tempted. Sark is so good, and he loves so much to use 12 personnel to create matchups. So like that you get you get helm in the game, right? 
The other team is like, okay, they're running the ball. And then maybe you're running mesh with five out and patterns. And Helm is... And they're in single high. Yeah. Or whatever, right? And uh, he's he's a pretty good route runner. It's a little bit nifty. Reliable hands. I, I think he could be dangerous in those. And then obviously as a blocker, I think we'll see him in the second half of games pretty often. There was a lot more times looking back and, and rewatch of last year. There were a lot more times than I remembered when I assumed it was Kerich and it was actually just Helm and they were yeah. small. True. One peccadillo I have both with Helm and Sanders and, and Sark. He's a believer in the idea of if I leave the tight end in and help double the edge with the tight with the tackle, uh-huh. we're going to neutralize that guy completely. Right. And you typically end up with one plus one equals 0.75 instead of one plus one equals two or one plus one equals three, which is the hope, right? Unless you are constantly practicing those blocks, you end up basically with the defender going one-on-one against your tight end around the edge. That's what happened on the Baylor sack strip. Yes. Although it was carriage and yes. not a helm. But yeah, that's yep. exactly what happened. Yep. So I think that's something that it looks good on the whiteboard, but in practicality, most of your tight ends can't execute it with your offensive tackle. Interestingly, though, if you take your tight end and if you want to do like the this the no back backfield that I was talking about with four wide and then Jatavian in the in the game, yeah, you could you could motion him to the backfield, and he and tight ends are typically effective personal protectors. Right, you you play him as a running back. You play protect. him as a running back, yeah, and yeah, and they'll absolutely. and they're good at taking on a, a blitzing linebacker coming up the middle. So yeah, there's probably I don't know if uh, Helm or Sanders does uh, punt protection, but there's probably a lot of overlap. Yes. Yeah. If, if Helm is in one, he could probably do the other. Yeah, I should I should know that. <clears throat> I need to. Can you name the gunners on our punt team? No. Come on. Is it Keelan and and Keaton? That's it. That's it. Nailed it. When in doubt, just say, when in doubt, anything on special teams, just say Keelan Robinson. <laughs> Vulnerable <laughs> moment. The gunner, who is that? Is that the outside guys? The two outside guys on the punt that are responsible for getting down the field and and they they got the guy trying to stop the gunner, driving him into the sideline, right? Yeah, I totally knew that already. Yeah. Well, if you if you if your gunners lose, that punt's coming back. Mm. So, all right, let's talk about three guys very quickly. There's no need to give huge talk about this. Um, got Juan Davis, Spencer Shannon, Will Randall. Will Randall got a knee injury. Uh, look, if we keep bringing in a ton of receiver talent, we keep bringing in quarterback talent, Will Randall's going to be the sneaky dude who keeps getting open over the middle of the field, right? Yeah. Partly by design, as they say in the NBA, you're open for a reason. Right. But if you hit the three, cool. Um, but he's out. I don't think he's going to be a factor this year, partly because of the knee injury. Yeah. Uh, and also just the, the structure of the his age, structure of the offense. Juan Davis, good, good athlete. He still hasn't gained weight. I think he's around 220, 225. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, the, the rumor is that he doesn't, get the playbook necessarily at the level that Sark needs. Sark uses the tight end quite a bit. Newsflash, right? In motion, you have to know a lot. You have to really understand everyone's role and your role. I think he struggled with that. Spencer Shannon is the the true freshman for Matter Days. They're trying to establish that pipeline. From what I hear, he's a legit 6'8". Jeez. So. I don't love that. Well, there's a thing. You can be too tall to play football. Yeah at certain positions. I don't know if that applies to tight end. If, if he'll build out his body commensurately, we'll see. I think it, I think it matters at tight end because 
if you end up as a volume receiver, then there's just so much surface area. And yeah. your legs are so exposed. You cannot get yes. low enough to protect your legs. That's certainly something Gronk experienced, right, in the NFL yeah. repeatedly. Mm-hmm. I'll say this. I've seen very effective NFL tight ends who are six foot one. And I've seen really effective NFL tight ends who are six six. Yeah. And I've seen everything in between. I I've not seen six eight. Um but could be interesting, maybe particularly as a blocking tight end. If he's six eight, two sixty-five. Right. I mean, that's a that's a big dude out there. And you know, that's a guy you probably don't want your linebacker encountering in, in the outside zone run. If he can be like a jumbo tight end. Yeah. And he helps the matter day pipeline, then scholarship worth it. Yeah. Scholarship. Well done. Um, Hey, speaking of well done, or maybe just uh, competently done. That's the end. It's kind of nice when you've got a, a, a pared down receiver room. If this was three years ago, Ian, you and I would, we would, we would have not even made it to the tight ends yet. We'd still be, We'd still be talking uh, wide receiver and trying to figure out how, you know, oh gosh, I, I forget half these guys we had. I was trying to think of an obscure Herman era wide receiver. But... Is Jake Smith going to be healthy? Who? Jake Smith. Who? Jake Smith. Oh, Jake Smith. Yeah. Did you see he got his waiver shot down? Really? I feel bad for him. I think he really would have made a huge difference if he'd been healthy. I don't know. He was awesome in brief moments when he was healthy on the field. I remember a lot of his drops. I don't remember this. Oh yeah. He had a couple of big drops on long, long, long throws. Yeah. But yeah, you never know. I mean, injury sidelines, a lot of really, really good athletes and you just don't know. You don't know what what it might've been. Uh, So On that vein, we wish all of you, including this wide receiver and tight end group, no injuries. And uh, Ian, anything you want to add as we as we outro from the wide receivers and tight ends? No, it's all right. Do you have any any nerd references you want to do? Lord of the Rings, Star Trek, Star Wars, Um, Game of Thrones. No, I I save it for uh, the DB one. Oh no. He's got something he wants to try out. I've seen that smile before. All right, folks, for Paul Waldlington and Ian Boyd, hook them. Hey, y'all, just a quick heads up that, of course, the Thinking Texas Football Preview, the Burnt Orange Bible is still available at Amazon, on Apple, and, of course, at Smashwords. That's for you Kindle e-readers. You can download the MOBI version, and it's a perfect conversion. Uh, Hey, I really appreciate all the folks who have uh, gone ahead and bought the preview and, of course, who have left reviews. If you're on the fence, if you got a toe dipped in the water, you're not sure if you want to jump in, hey, do me a favor. Just go to Amazon, enter in 2022 Thinking Thinking Texas Football or Longhorn Football Prospectus or put my name, Paul Wadlington. The preview will pop up. You'll see 25 reviews as of July 21st. And you'll see that they're all five stars. If you go look at Apple, you'll see 14 reviews, all five stars. If you go to Smashwords, there's seven or eight reviews, all five stars. I think you get the gist. The point is, I think a lot of people enjoy it. It's the 10th time I've done this. And I don't think you'll get a better perspective on the Texas Longhorn football team, the Big 12, or the Texas Longhorn opponents. It's written with uh, hopefully some wit, clarity, and insight. And I appreciate all of you supporting the Burn Orange Bible. Go out there and buy a copy. You'll enjoy it.